to the Trauma and Mental Health Reports podcast series. We aim to share stories and knowledge on topics related to trauma and mental health with the community. My name is Chiara Genvito, and I'd like to welcome our guest for today's episode, Elisa Bokin. Today, we will be discussing the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on intimacy, as well as our connections with others. Let's get into today's conversation. Hello, Elisa. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for being on. Um, I was wondering if you wanted to start off by telling our audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. So my name is Elisa Bokeen, and I am a licensed psychotherapist. I'm a sex therapist um, in Houston, Texas. Uh, my private practice is the Flow and Ease Healing Center. And I'm also the co-founder of a mental health wellness brand, um, called Melanin and Mental Health. Um, so those are just some of the things that keep me busy. Wonderful. Um, I was wondering if you wanted to give us a little bit of your understanding of the term intimacy, intimacy to start us off. Mm-hmm. Well, for, you know, intimacy, one of my favorite sort of ways of summing it up is into me, you see, right? So intimacy is really when we are able to Uh, let down all of the guards that kind of keep us from really allowing others to connect with us deeply. So whether that's, you know, sexual intimacy, emotional intimacy, it's really our ability to have deeper connections with others because more of our true selves is present. That's amazing. I think that sums it up well. I think there's also many understandings of it, but I think, um, that's very good to, to explain it. Um, I was wondering if during the pandemic, if intimacy or connection between partners in a relationship has changed or been altered? Yeah, I think so much of our lives has been changed during this pandemic and certainly intimacy, um, the way that people can experience intimacy, the way that there is or isn't enough space intimacy because intimacy is sort of we have to have this this perfect blend between um, interdependence and autonomy and so and in in one regard for many people the distance and the inability to have closeness physical closeness has caused a rupture in their ability to have intimacy but then for others who maybe they are together you know maybe you've been quarantined with your partner you're at home more but all of the stress and being around them too much um, has, has been a block to intimacy. So absolutely, it's, it's taking a toll on, on many people. Yeah, I think that's been really interesting to see either couples that have been separated or are kind of stuck together if they're quarantining together. Um, for those who are kind of stuck together, how would you recommend intimacy be maintained while managing COVID-19 stressors and pandemic stressors? Yeah, sure, great question. Um, You know, I think intimacy, whether we are in a pandemic or not, it really requires intention. And so if you are together and there is so much going on, I think first and foremost, we have to give ourselves and give one another a whole lot of grace. We're still in the midst of this deadly pandemic that none of us in our lifetime have seen. And so I don't know that we are fully aware of the impacts that's having on us individually, 
And so whatever happens to us individually, it shows up in our relationship, you know, this is how we show up. So I would say being super intentional about it and creating small moments for intimacy. I think a lot of times we get overwhelmed at the idea that it has to be this big production or it's something that you have to do every once in a while. It's, it's about creating small opportunities for it while also giving ourselves grace that there is a lot going on. Wonderful. Um, I was also thinking a lot about for couples who are not together, partners who are not together, have issues of commitment been arising from your experience? From my experience, I think it, it, it is given an extra layer of challenge, right? Um, certainly distance in a relationship is difficult, right? That it requires a lot of coordinating. It requires, again, a lot of intention, a lot of effort to maintain. And I think with there being more and more restrictions um, and then depending on how much and or how a little people are kind of, you know, adhering to some of the, the guidelines. Um, you can also find that even within a relationship, two people might be viewing those guidelines differently, right? So I, I definitely have seen that it poses an additional layer of distance, which can be really, really difficult to overcome. On the flip side to that, I, I'd say that people are also holding on more to these established relationships because of the restrictions, because so much is going on, that having the comfort of someone who's kind of their anchor. Um, and the flip side, it's, it's caused them to have an, a deeper appreciation for them. And they are looking more forward to being together, or they've realized that this distance between them, you know, they're making plans to be together and be in the same space. So I think more than anything, it is just really highlighted for people the need to make some sort of decisions what their future relationship is going to look like. I think that's very interesting. I think you touched upon the both ways it could go, mm -hmm. um, either pulling people together or maybe separating them. One right. thing also that was very interesting um, to me to think about was dating practices during the pandemic and if they have changed at all. Yeah, I, I you know, I've, again, I've, I've kind of heard different people have different reactions. I have, you know, some of the people that I work with, they're like, nobody's dating right now. Like, I'm not trying to date. Like, I'm not trying to meet anybody during COVID. Um, and so a lot of people have kind of used this time to really reflect on themselves and really do a lot of deeper personal work to prep themselves. Um, a lot of people I have found that they actually are like, you know what, like, I don't mind being by myself. I'm actually enjoying this. I'm, I'm seeing that I'm actually okay. And then you have on the flip side, the people who are realizing they really long to have a partner and it's been even more difficult for them to try and go through a pandemic on their own. And so they're being more, um, they're being more careful about who they're meeting in particular. I think right now, you know, this is a, a world that we live in where, you know, it's an app world. And so people are meeting people still um, online. I had somebody tell me that one of the big things now is like to put in your, in the bio, you know, COVID free or like, you know, <laughs> recently tested. Um, so, so I really think what I have seen is how creative people have become during this pandemic, even in the area of dating. 
Would you think that these kind of new ways of dating or kind of enhanced, maybe online using it more, would you say that that would be furthered in kind of a post-pandemic world, um, possibly on the horizon now that there's a vaccine coming out? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't think anybody can, I don't think any of us are going to be able to walk out of this pandemic and not be changed, right? And I don't think any area of our life, including our love lives, including dating, I don't think things will ever actually go back to quote unquote, you know, normal. I I definitely think that there is going to be some time that people also, we have to realize the trauma that this is impacting, you know, how this is impacting us. Um, So many people that are dating may have also lost a loved one, right? Like to COVID or have experienced COVID themselves. So I think there's a new heightened sense of awareness, um, much like when you saw at the beginning of of the 80s um, when the AIDS epidemic was so prominent in our minds. So I certainly think that the long lasting effects of this are certainly gonna be there. It gives us a heightened level of awareness. Um, And I think it's putting our health also again at the forefront, even more so um, for so many people that people are gonna be taking more and more precautions um, to protect their health overall. But I I heard you mention as well that um, prior that a lot of people are kind of taking time to reflect internally and being aware. Um, What does that look like and kind of what are the processes of doing so? Well, certainly I'm biased. So (laughs) therapy is one way, right? Uh, And that's how I'm able to support a lot of people as they're doing the self-reflection. But, you know, I, I think this time that we have been forced to slow down and forced to really be with ourselves, right? Like you have been forced, our go-tos of numbing ourselves outside of the home um, that that wasn't accessible and to a great extent is still not fully accessible to maybe ways that we did before. So I think what this pandemic has really done is forced us to really reflect on our lives, really reevaluate how we were living and to reevaluate our relationships. I think what it's also done is really forced us to reevaluate our own values. You know, what do I really care about? And I think if we've spent this time really sort of going and exploring those questions for ourselves, be it through journaling, be it through therapy, be it through conversations that we have with friends, family, I think we have a we have a better understanding of ourselves. I think many of us have a better understanding of ourselves to where things are gonna be different. You know, like my life moving forward, maybe it's, I was working so much before and now I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that again. You know, so I, so I think that work, that deeper emotional work, I think there's a lot of people who have also, because this has been so difficult, have sought out the support of other people. Again, be it a therapist or maybe, reading different books that have really challenged their ways of thinking of before. I think so many people are gonna come out of this and just have a different outlook on how they wanna continue living their life. That's very interesting. I think it's it's also amazing that how it could kind of provide a positive um, in our lives. Um, 
could it be possible that the pandemic is making us connect more with others, even though we're staying home, we're kind of looking internally or maybe reaching out to others via social media or apps? I think both. Um, you know, I, I think on one hand, we can't overlook again that we are going through collective trauma, collective grief. I think, you know, we're almost a year into this. So I think a lot of us have kind of kind of forgotten the impact that it's actually having on, on us. And for many of us, we won't be able to really even fully see what the long-term effects of being, you know, living through this pandemic are going to have on our health, on our mental health, on our well-being, our relationships. And so I think in one regard, I think many people have a deeper appreciation for relationships, for connection, you know, especially if you haven't seen loved ones, if you haven't been able to connect with your friends like before. So I think in one hand, there are people who have a deeper appreciation. And then I, I don't think that we can ignore that there are people who are struggling with depression. There are people that are struggling with anxiety. They may have been struggling it with before and struggling even more so now and find themselves more isolated. And when we're isolated like that, when we're deep in depression, um, what we need most is human connection, but we can't access that part of us when we're in that depression. So again, I, I think it's both and. I, I think we're seeing a lot of both. And, and my concern is for the people who um, find themselves isolated. Again, like I'm thinking about like the teenagers that are there and are really missing out on that socializing um, with their peers, um, kids who were starting college this year that they haven't been able to, everything's online. So again, I don't think we're gonna really understand or see the effects until years from now to really understand the impact that this pandemic has had on us. I think it's very important what you touched upon. Um, would you be able to tell us how the how the pandemic is contributing to trauma in various ways? Yeah. Well, you know, trauma is anytime we experience an overwhelming event, right? So what's traumatic to one person may not be traumatic to another person. But trauma, what it really does is it leaves us feeling powerless. It alters our nervous system. It alters our neurological system. Um, there's so much that, that goes into play. It's more than just a series of unfortunate events. And so as in particular, at the beginning, you found so many people sort of immobilized. Like we were literally immobilized, like don't leave your homes. Don't do this, don't do that. And so everything about this pandemic has been the perfect recipe for people to experience trauma. Um, and so again, like, so it's, it's the change in, in, in our routine. It's being immobilized. You know, people were saying, oh, I'm, I'm going from couch to kitchen, couch to kitchen. Again, that's that immobilization that sets in, feeling powerless. I'm feeling like I, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed. There's nothing that I can do. Um, I think that the other piece to also remember is how we were just wiped out from our routines. So I'm, I'm gonna be really curious to see as, you know, not like you mentioned, we have the vaccine now and we seem to be moving through this. I, I think we still have a long road to go. I'm not a medical professional, but certainly I, I don't think this is something that expires at 
you know, one, one, 21 <laughs> as much as we'd like to. Um, but we got to start thinking about like the triggers after this, like what it would be like when you get to a world where like, oh, you can take your mask off. Like there's going to be many of us who are going to have anxiety about that. There's going to be many of us who are going to be triggered. Um, so again, I think what, what we can do, right, because this all feels very grim, um, is that if we can remember that one of the ways that we are able to combat trauma, are able to work through it, is one of the easiest ways is to get in our bodies. So being really physically active, moving, um, staying, staying mobile, that is one way. The other thing is to find what, you, what does make you feel empowered. So again, be that a routine, um, be that funneling your energy and like, if I don't have power over what, what's gonna happen a year from now, a month from now, what can I control today, right? Like, what can I, what can I do today to feel like I can predict what's gonna happen next? Those are some of the real basic things that we can begin to do um, so that we don't get swept up in the, in, in the hopelessness um, that can set in. I think it's very important to have kind of coping techniques or mm -hmm. things we can rely on. Um, beyond that, is there anything you would recommend to people who are struggling with connection or struggling with isolation? Absolutely. I would say um, looking for online support groups is always a wonderful thing. There's, you know, it's this, I know everybody is zoomed out, like totally get that. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it is a blessing that we are able to connect online. You know, I'm, I grew, you know, I'm 44. So if I would have gone through this pandemic when I was a teenager or, you know, like younger, it would have been even worse because, mm -hmm you weren't able to access people like we are today. So I would say, even if you don't feel like it, just do it. Like, because that's the thing about depression, it's about trauma, about anxiety, is it lies to us. It says, you'll do it when you feel like it. And it's really the other way around. It's by doing it, do we begin to feel better? You know, we don't do it when we now in the hopes of it, or we don't do it when we say, oh, when I feel better, then I'll do it. No, no, no. This is the antidote. The antidote is human connection. And so seek out that connection, even if it is via Zoom, even if it's a Facebook group, um, you know, there's Facebook groups uh, out there. Um, people that you know, you know, people that you know, let, let at least one person know you're struggling, right? Um, let's say, you know, I'm having a really hard time with this, like, this just really sucks. In, you know, connecting with those people, again, as difficult as it is, and I recognize that it's difficult, it's what we really need. And of course, therapy is out there. And there are many different outlets for therapy. You know, you have, um, you have people in private practice, you have people in agencies, you have people who you can text and do therapy. There's, there's crisis outlines. There's so many resources. Find one that resonates with you. I think those are very important that you mentioned, and I think they're very helpful and accessible, which is very important. Um, I was wondering if there's anything else you'd like to let our listeners know about the impacts of the pandemic on how we interact, on our relationships. Yeah, um, you know, one of the one of the biggest things that I would say is, and what I'm doing, I'll tell you what I'm doing for myself is 
if you've made it this far, right? like you have survived 2020, right? I keep, I kept telling people like, that's going to be the t-shirt that I, that I walk away with this year. I survived 2020, <laughs> right? Like recognize that you have been through so much because it hasn't just been a pandemic here in the States. You know, we've had so much civil unrest, um, just so much that has happened in particular, if you are, you know, a BIPOC, um, this has been a hell of a year. And so if you're feeling a little shaky, if you're feeling uh, unsettled, hey, you, you've been through so much. And so be really kind to yourself, be really gentle with yourself, give yourself a ton of grace and extend that to the people around you. If people haven't stayed in touch with you, um, if people haven't shown up their best, they're going through this too, right? Like they've been going through this pandemic also. And so I think we really need to be able to, to take a step back. I think in particular, this culture, especially here in the States, it's grind, 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 go, 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 produce, produce, produce. And so I think Part of our healing is understanding that we really need to slow down and pause and look to one another and really honor that human connection that we are born wired to. We are wired for human connection. That is where we thrive. That is when we do our best is when we are connected to other humans. Um, so I would say give yourself a ton of grace and extend that to the humans around you. Thank you so much for talking with me today. I really enjoyed hearing your insights and your opinions on this topic. Um, and I really appreciated you spending this time with me. You're so welcome. It was a pleasure. You've reached the end of this episode with the Trauma and Mental Health Report podcast. Thanks for joining us. Connect with us at trauma.blog.yorku.ca. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and newsletter to see our latest content. See you at the next episode.